What's up, movie fans and Netflix bingers? This is the Bros Who Binge podcast. My name is Adam Schubert, and I'm joined by Lyndon Burton. I'm wearing the Bros Who Binge. I see you out here. Yeah, man, we're on video, bro. Shout out to Zoom. Skype's just got to give Skype two thumbs down. But yeah, man, glad to be here doing well. Can't complain, you know, hanging out with my bros. Apparently, Zoom's been around for a while, but <laughs> now no one, now everyone knows it exists. So, yeah, I mean, congratulations I, to Zoom. Zoom got a big boom in the quarantine, man. Yeah. Once, once all these pods started realizing, oh, we can, we can do this with Zoom. Then, hey, let's get it. Because honestly, pods, businesses, schools. Because look, I'm gonna keep it a bean. Both of us don't have the best of cameras on us right now, and like, quality's not bad. No, it's pretty good. Pretty and good. That, and the audio is a lot better than Skype. Yeah, I mean, you got a mic, but I... but even even you with your with your headphones sounding sounding good. But yeah, man, it's Bros who binge this week in honor of the Last Dance because we're gonna talk about it. So we're gonna get sporty at the end. Like it's gonna be the Lupita Nyong'o casting game because she's the actress this week that she were nominated. So I'm gonna see if I can call Still out some talking, movies. Dave. Still talking, Dave. But after that, we we both watched that trash, uh, whatever that show is called. <laughs> too hot to uh, what is is it? Too hot to handle? Oh, I don't. Maybe I think it's too hot to handle on Netflix right now. It's the new reality show. But we'll talk about that, and then after that, we're going super sportsy in honor of the last dance. I know I'm wearing my D Rose jersey, but we're gonna talk the Jordan Doc uh, episodes one and two. And in honor of that, we're doing our top 10 30 for 30s. If you don't know what 30 for 30 is, it's this documentary series that was made by Bill Simmons and ESPN. After Bill left, they still do it. And yeah, that's what it is. It's this documentary Yeah, there's, no, there's not 30 of them. There's actually like 90. Mm-hmm. There's a not lot. Even counting like ESPN films and SEC films. So we're going to be talking about that. But we still got some news this week. Yeah, we got Star Wars stuff, uh, a trailer by Tom Hardy, who we talked about last week, and also some big news for HBO Max. Yeah, so, Shubert, whenever you're ready, man, I'm ready. We can get started. Yeah, man, I'm ready. Let's roll. So the first thing that we're going to talk about, well, first two things we're going to talk about have to do with the world of Star Wars First is kind of real quick. Stellan Snarsgaard and Kyle Solar are set to join Diego Luna in the Cassian Andor series on Disney+. Plus. Cool, so cool. We've, last thing we saw Stellan Snarsgaard in was Chernobyl. He did a really good job in that. He's, I'd say he's probably going to play like some old Imperial officer or something. Or maybe like some kind of old smuggler. I don't know. Maybe he's part of the Rebels. Who knows? But he could be part of the Republic. Cause like this is that. That's what I mean. The rebels. Yeah, this could. Well, no, 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 no. Cause isn't this at the time of Rogue One? Lead. I thought this was leading up to Cassian as a spy. I thought this is still like pre. No, I don't. I don't think it's gonna be like. Cause you're thinking of his childhood where he yeah. went against the clones. Well, I mean, you'll probably see the flashbacks, but Diego Luna is not gonna play an old man, a young man. True, 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 true. Yeah, yeah he, he has to play himself. In yeah, I guess you're right. Cause the cause the uh, Republic's pretty much done at this point. Well, there are still some like people fighting for it, but it's pretty much done. Yeah, I could see him being a. A rebel or a, a some spice miner or someone. Uh, he could be uh even separatist like uh you know some separatist remains. That'd be interesting because Diego Luna did come from a separatist family. And Cassie yeah, Andor. so 
Or yeah, because you never really understand what happens to the separatists and the whole empire thing. So exactly, maybe that's kind of like why he becomes a rebel because like they treated the separatists so bad. We could see it could be something interesting with that. So who knows? But this is good hey, news. There's, there's got to be some reason that they're making this series. True, you got to tell something. Yeah, they yeah they definitely do. Um, but the one series that was successful on Disney Plus was definitely The Mandalorian. And Disney Plus is now going to release an eight-part documentary series about the making of The Mandalorian. Okay. Um, each chapter explores a different facet of the first live-action television, Star Wars television show. In the first episode, the filmmakers speak about their individual journeys on the way to the director's chair and take us inside the filmmaking process of The Mandalorian. Second one, the team behind The Mandalorian examines the profound impact of George Lucas. And in the third one, Pedro Pascal, Gina Carano, and Carl Weathers discuss the making of, it's called The Cast, so kind of learn about the cast. And the fourth episode will be called Technology, so you learn all about the technology of how the film was made. You'll see a lot of models. Okay, cool. This, I mean, look, I'm going to check this out. I'm a big documentary how it was made kind of guy I mean, especially i mean obviously we like documentaries because we're talking about them today mm-hmm. and like so. and i'm interested in episode one seeing the processes of everybody's their way to the director's chair then getting to know the cast and then seeing the i guess you'd say the the wizard of oz behind the curtain the uh the person behind the curtain of making star wars so this is pretty cool yeah, I definitely want to see the episode with Lucas and his impact and involvement because that's always been the thing. Is he's he's worked pretty well with Filoni. I was watching, you know, catching up on some of the arcs for Clone Wars today, and you know, his name comes up. That's the first credit is George Lucas, not that's Dave true. Filoni. So, I mean, he put, he has a big role in some way. I kind of want to know what that is. Yeah, no, that sounds pretty interesting. And I'm going to end up watching this come Disney Plus So when it comes out. So shout out to them for this. Next up, we got Tom Hardy is up to play Al Capone, but not young Al Capone. It's towards the end of his life in the story with the money that he hid. It looks pretty, pretty interesting. He's suffering from dementia. That trailer looks super dope. And I, But I got one critique, Tom Hardy's voice. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get behind it. But it looks very interesting, right up my alley for dad crime movies. Schubert, are you excited for the Al Capone, Tom Hardy movie? Yeah, you mentioned the voice. It was very Bane-esque. Um, but I'm super pumped about uh, Capone, Tom Hardy. I think Tom Hardy is kind of like the right kind of guy to do this. You know, obviously you're putting, making him look a little bit older. Um, but I think he's definitely going to, bring the the right charisma to a, an old Capone. It, fe- it felt very Darth Vader when he first lit up the yes. lightsaber in Rogue One when, when Al Capone blew the cigar and you see the cigar light up and I'm like, oh shit, they're trying to make this dude like a menace. Like he out you. Well, I mean, I guess he really was because he was a gangster just killing people. But, you know, we'll Even see. Even old age though. True, 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 true. And especially since he suffered from dementia, that dude was probably crazy. He was probably yeah. wilding. So... so I- in a short year, you know, Taika Waititi even mentioned it. This is going to be one of the shortest Oscars. Um, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with maybe adding streaming stuff into the whole mix because this is obviously going to have to be streamed. But, I mean, if Tom Hardy killed, puts out a stellar performance, like, I don't know who you put at Best Actor at the moment. I mean, I haven't seen The Way Back yet. Yeah, and like, are we putting... I, and you can't, and, I would you know, the person I thought did the best acting job in The Gentleman was Colin Farrell, but he's got to be supporting. 
Mm, yeah, I was about to say, are you going to put Matthew McConaughey up? Or, uh, no. or uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, what's that guy's name? Um, Charlie Hunnam? Bro, I mean, if, if, might, if Charlie Hunnam wins an too. Oscar, that'd be nuts. It would be nuts. <laughs> I, I don't know how... I really don't know how this, all this is going to work, but... Oh, well, <laughs> shit! I mean... Depending if they release Dune what if early, like a Nef- what if like a Netflix movie wins Best Picture or something? That's possible, but I, but you know Dune's gonna get released in early December. What if they push it up to November, give it like a, a one week theatrical release if possible, or one week something for critics to see in November? Timothy Chalamet might get his first Oscar, at least nomination. Because uh, I, I hear that's good, and I know we didn't put this in the notes, but did you see the pictures? The first releases of Timothy Chalamet and Dune, Zendaya, you see Josh Brolin, Oscar Isaac. No, I saw them. They looked it's really crazy. good. And they got the little oxygen thing in note. Like, I was like, what's up with this? I think I have to wear this the whole time. Like, I love the armor on Josh Brolin and, and Oscar, uh, Oscar Isaac. Then you see um, J- uh, uh, Jason Momoa with, like, some type of staff. And apparently Jason Momoa is one of the trainers of Timothy Chalamet. And Oscar Isaac is Timothy Chalamet's dad. So look, I mean, that looks like shout out to Denis Villeneuve. That looks great, just for some, yeah, just for I mean, some pictures. Denis Villeneuve, we definitely knew that he was going to be the guy who could helms this sort of project. I'm glad that they got enough done that they can maybe release it at the end of the year. But I mean, the thing is, is are we going to have the theaters or not? I mean, that's always that's been a big news topic conversation. And well, I mean, look, uh, Trumpito, and I know this is not the pod to talk about this, but. Trump is on his on his plan to restart the economy. And I saw a thing that theaters was going to be in that first wave, but they're going to have to have like only 10 people max per theaters. And that's if his reopening the economy thing goes through. Yeah. So that's only going to be, I think that's only going to be limited to certain areas though, too. But mm. I mean, as long as it's shown in theaters, then I guess it counts. It so does. That, that's really all that matters at this point. Yeah, so I just want to throw that Doom news, that Dune news out there. In addition, all right. So next up, HBO Max and Bad Robot have teamed on uh, for, on the series Overlook, inspired by T- Stephen King's The Shining and Duster, an original drama co-written by Latoya Morgan, Bad Robots, J.J. Abrams. All three shows will be executive produced by J.J. Abrams and Bad Robots head of television Ben Stevenson. I also need to add that HBO Max and Bad Robot teamed up for. Um, Justice, Justice League Dark. Yeah, that's Justice League Dark. They, that's the third one that they were talking about. Yeah, so Justice League Dark is a part of that. And the DC shows that will be released by HBO Maxers, Justice League Dark, Green Lantern. Um, I'm thinking, I'm looking at him right now. Adam well, Strange, um, or The Strange Do- Adventures, and then Doom Patrol Season 2. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited for those. I think I'm most excited for Green Lantern, and then I would say Doom Patrol Season 2, and then Justice League Dark. But don't get it twisted. I think... Strange Adventures. Who's all mixed up in Justice League Dark? But after after what you're saying, who's all in Justice League Dark? Justice League Dark is the team of Constantine, Swamp Thing, uh, Zatanna, a dead man who is the guy who dies and then like turns as a ghost and uh, fucking uh, takes over people's bodies. They also have like Queen Xanadu in there. There's a uh, Etrigan the Demon, so they can do so. Like, a wide array of characters. So, I mean, do you think there's going to be adaptations from other properties? Like, do you mm. think the DC Universe Swamp Thing 
No, I think that's why that shit. You, you think it re, Yeah, that's probably why. That is probably why they canceled it. Yeah, I, think, I heard it was good. Yeah, I heard it was actually pretty damn good, and that's the thing. So I don't think that dude's coming back. But if I mean, look, and if Bad Robots in it, JJ Abrams gonna do his thing. That's already on the CW verse. No, get him out of here, Matt. Whatever, even though he's to. even though he's a pretty good G- Constantine. This is freaking JJ Abrams, JJ Justice League Dark. They're gonna do what he wants, and yeah, those people are out of here. But if this works, we could get a little HBO Max universe because they are doing the Green Lantern series, Strange uh, Strange Adventures with Adam Strange, which I think has a big potential to be a good sci-fi Game of Thrones like series because Tom King's writing the Strange Adventures comic right now, and you get a lot of political stuff with Rand because Adam Strange is a is a space hero from Rand who comes back to Earth. And yeah, so you get to see like the person from two worlds type deal in the politics going on on Rand. This could be a big move for HBO. But in terms of the other show, Overlooked, uh, inspired by Stephen King, Shiner and Duster. And then, oh, and Duster, an original drama. Cool, man. I'm, I'm cool to see uh, J.J. Abrams yeah, in Bad Yeah, I think Overlook's going to be really interesting. Especially coming from Abrams. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a different perspective on the uh, things that happened at the Overlook. I think it's going to be a precursor to The Shining. Okay, um, cool. So we'll get to see a little bit more behind what the whole Overlook Hotel is all about. Or maybe it'll be some kind of series that has to do with the in-betweens and show you different stories of what happens when people show up at the Overlook. And this is part of that contract of stuff J.J. wants. He's going to have to give one for Warner Brothers, and I'm hoping that's Superman. The, Gosh, I'm hoping that's Superman. The biggest thing for me on the Justice League Dark thing is Zatanna, because I've been dying for Zatanna to be adapted live action. Um, I kind of thinks that she's going to be a part of a team, but I think that's the only way that you can bring her in right now. Yeah, I agree. Putting her with the Justice League Dark team is perfect. That's her squad. You could make her the leader or Constantine. Either one works. But I would like it if she's the leader and Constantine like is like this dude that comes in every... The renegade, yeah. Yeah, the renegade, like the wild card. So, also, I wouldn't mind seeing your girl Anna de Armas as Zatanna, get a, get a Latino Zatanna. I'm, I'm down for it. That'd be interesting. I w- Probably wouldn't be my choice. I, I like, you know, someone like young Anna Hathaway. Like if if Anne Hathaway when she played Catwoman would have been perfect for this. Okay, okay. Like that age, Anne Hathaway. It just depends on how young they're trying to. Because I, because man, I'm telling you, your girl could do it, man. I'm seeing because she's I mean, not she's, Catwoman. She's about to be Marilyn Monroe. Oh, she so is. She can do anything? Is she? Yeah, really I didn't put that Mar- in the notes because it's a it's a, it was a February story, but she. I thought that was like a Margot Robbie role. She's gonna be in a Marilyn Monroe in a next Netflix movie uh, about okay, Marilyn yeah. Monroe. Mm, okay, okay, I could see why Margot's not doing that, but that's that seems like a Margot rule to me. But good, good for Anna De Armas. I'm happy for her. But yeah, that's all I got on the HBO Max stuff. Uh, so Universal Pictures and Amnesia Entertainment are partnering for a Green Hornet and Cato movie. So good. another Green Hornet movie. Good. Let's give Cato a serious role in this one. Let's actually see some Green Hornet content and not make it a Seth Rogen comedy. Even though I did enjoy the Seth Rogen comedy, but let's get a little more serious adaptation. You can still have the campiness of the kapow, blam stuff, but let's give Kato a good role, man. Let's give Kato some shine. All right, yeah. I mean, more of an action movie would definitely be what I would want out of this. You still have to have, you know, again, this is not a good example of an actor casting, but you would want the Chris Pratt Type guy, the one who can he do action. Be bad for it. 
and do comedy. I don't necessarily know if you, you could get Chris Pratt to do this. I think Chris Pratt's a little bit too big to do this now, mm. but um, someone like him, that, that that's the type cast you would want for this. That, I would say. That, that works. And I don't know if Henry Golden's trying to be Cato, but that's, oh. someone, that's someone that would be dope as well. But, that's what, but if you're going to get Henry Golding as Cato, you got to give him more than just the sidekick of Green Horde. You got to give him some, some meat, some something to do. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I think Cato, even in the other movie, I thought Cato had like his little own side thing that he did for a minute. Yeah, Maybe not as, not as prevalent as he was just like know. the the B plot, maybe even the C plot. So, you know, but that's all we got really on the news this week. Super, let's get to movie on the rise. Mine is easy. I have the uh, Chris Hemsworth extraction movie that'll be out this Friday. Be sure to check that out on Netflix. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Um, Netflix has definitely got a lot of fun stuff coming out, and they've had some good stuff come out this past week. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is Bruise Brothers. It came out this week on Netflix. It's kind of like, uh, I think it came from the same people who did The League, because it has even one of the League characters as a recurring character. Um, and it kind of has that same kind of tone. Please um, tell me they just brew beer. Yeah, they're, they brew beer. It's a brewery. And like the words of workplace comedy about a brewery. I'm going to watch that as soon as we get out of here. I, I pretty much binged the whole thing this week. It's, Is it fire? It's, I mean, I wouldn't call it like a massive success of like the league or always sunny or, you know, one of your, I mean, those, I, I guess you could closely compare it to most of the league since it's most like it. But I mean, the league right at the moment had, you know, more funny actors in it. I mean, it doesn't have a Nick Kroll or anything like that. You're not going to know any faces besides like maybe some guests roles give some new people some chance to shine yeah i think it's kind of funny and they the concept of the the main guy kind of he comes from uh, a group of monks in belgium that brew beer like he goes to do like a pilgrimage there or whatever and then his brother's like a super beer snob like they just kind of have a really funny dynamic okay i'm interested in that that sounds pretty good what else you got um Two things come out this week. One of them is this really trippy uh, movie, or not movie, this really trippy show. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it comes out on 420 today. So, Oh, yeah, today know. is 420. Shout out to all the people who celebrate that holiday. <laughs> so, yeah, that, so Netflix obviously buying in on that you know, 420. Oh, shit, real quick, Schubert, favorite 420 type movies, like, you know, like uh, Half-Baked, how high those type? I suggest people watch Friday, maybe a little Mac and Devin go to high school. Those movies are mm-hmm. fire. I like half yeah. baked. Even uh, you know, Cheech and movies Chong. like Sex Drive had. It. I mean, like they, you know, all sorts of those kinds of movies had a weed reference in it. But I guess you know, How High, uh, Mac and Devin are more of like your yeah, exclusive two. I like High High um, the most between Mac and Devin. Pineapple and Express, obviously. Oh, yeah, classic. Pineapple Express, That's fire. probably my favorite one. No, you're right. Damn, I was going to say How High is my favorite one, but now nah, Pineapple Express, probably then How High, because the concept of them smoking their drug dealer to get A's is absolutely fucking hilarious. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, there's there's some good ones. Like the, that's the thing about Pineapple Express and the, you know the movies you, you mentioned as well that they did the whole stoner comedy thing, but they did it in a way that was like also a, a good movie. Yeah, 
where like Mag and Devin, Mag and Devin's like, retarded. Yeah, exactly. Oh, excuse you me, know? I shouldn't say that. Mag and Devin is is dumb. Mag and Devin is yes. stupid. Should not say the R word. Excuse me, my apologies. But yeah, no, Mag and Devin is freaking freaking ridiculous. It's not a good movie, but you know, it gives gives you some hilarity. I'm googling. Oh, Harold and Kumar. That's a good little yeah, series. That's the other one I was thinking too, because Harold and Kumar is not like a, a movie about weed, but it has big weed um, plot lines. Graham, some people are saying Grandma's Boy. Grandma's hmm. Boy. Okay. I, I super high me the uh, documentary with that comedian who's constantly stoned. They got Cheech Doug and Benson. Chong. Yeah, Doug Benson, Cheech and Chong. Some people are saying the Big Lebowski. Days What's and Doug Confused. Benson's web show. It's called like. Um, dang, I can't remember what it is, but like also on Netflix this week and uh, 420, they're doing another season of Cooking on High. Okay, cool. And oh, I got my honestly, my favorites, and I don't even consider this a stoner comedy, but if this is considered, then this is over Pineapple Express and all those other movies. Dude, where's my car? Dude, your tattoo says sweet. What does mine say? Dude, like the- Dude. <laughs> Ashton Kutcher and my guy. Oh, I can't uh, Sean William Scott. Yeah, Sean William Scott, an amazing stoner movie. Yeah, okay. Some of these movies um, I'm, I don't consider stoner movies that they have on here though. The the last uh movie on the rise I have here. Oh, is, and uh, Friday. Shout out to shout out to Friday. Yeah, you said Friday. Good. Okay, cool. Yeah, I had to say Friday. Make that was sure. you said that right at the start. Okay, cool, cool. Oh, by the way, people should go check out your um your, oh, your yes, yes. We did the best black movie. Me, Brooklyn, and Doom did our best black movie bracket. We had things like Training Day in there, American Gangster coming to America, Precious Friday. See which one won. It is a barn burner. We had some people send in their brackets. You can still send in your yeah, bracket. Yeah, I saw your girlfriend put in paid in full. I've never heard of that movie. Paid in full is great. Oh, I love the hustle. I love the game. Bro, that's one of the, like, if you like Boys in the Hood or, like, uh, Minister Society or just those classic Black Hood movies, nothing beats paid in full. It's absolutely amazing. And low-key, Deathstroke from the Titans this past season, uh, Azai Morales is in paid in full, and he's the big gangster, Lulu. Oh. Yeah, so it's, it's fire as hell. She also had Fruitvale Station making it to the finals, which I'm never seen for rest. I can't, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say what I put, but... Look, if you've been listening to this show and you know training days in there. I probably would have put Hustle and Flow in the top four. Over Drumline? Yes. Hustle and Flow when it gets Drumline. No, bro. I'm giving Nick Cannon his flowers, bro. Drumline is a classic movie, my brother. Oh, my gosh. Drumline's freaking Um, amazing. Oh, let me also shout out because this movie on the rise. You want to know what I've been watching? My girlfriend found this on Hulu and we're on season three. This is all I've been watching because I had to hurry up and watch Dave today because literally we've just been watching this. One Tree Hill with my guy Chad Michael. Oh, Murray. dude, yeah, no. On the flip of that, because I've seen One Tree Hill before, and like it's a pretty solid show, especially in the beginning. Yeah, in the, thank you. In the beginning, yes. Yeah, like one where you are now, it's probably getting to the point where like oh, I don't know if I can keep watching this. But like, see, I watched it. I, I didn't finish it, but I watched parts of it, and then I watched the ending. This when everybody came back, but where I'm at right now is Dan Scott just got his dealership burned down. Oh, now he's being crazy. This is pretty juicy. Yeah. This is, this is where it's fire. And he's like trying to figure out who burned out, like who saved him, who burned his shit down. And like Nathan and uh, Lucas got their beef going. Hate bro. Haley let let me down when she went on tour. She left my boy just hanging. 
And like the basketball elements in the beginning actually like kind of helped draw me in when I was watching it at first because I was me like, too. oh, dude, like I get this dude. He's going out to the court with his boys just trying to get his game up. <laughs> and that's why I told my girlfriend, I was like, man, you want me to watch these later seasons when they just cut basketball out completely? And I was, she's like, I was like, I'm gonna watch it until like basketball leaves. But the basketball um, was what drew me in. But I'm in right now. Like shout out to yeah. CW giving us these my- melodrama teen series. My girlfriend's got me watching an even earlier one with Chad Michael Murray, Gilmore Girls, ah, which is see. which is actually not as like wanting to gouge my eyes out as I thought it would. It's got is, is some, it okay? Some drama. Well, I wouldn't recommend it. I yeah, mean, see, it's very it's very all about girls. See, yeah, but that's how my girl was trying to watch Dawson's what Creek, really and I was like, about it. Oh well, Dawson's Creek's actually pretty good though. Is it good? But, uh, I mean, but it's like it's CW, you know. You watch them. Stupid, you watch one. You watch white teens in in uh, the coast or whatever. You know, it's like the East Coast OC. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Chad Michael Murray's in that. But the reason that drew me to it is Amy Sherman Palladino, who created Miss Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, also created Gilmore Girls. Mm. So that was kind of why I wanted to give it a little bit of a look. See her start. See her origins. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but cool. the one movie on the rise thing I had on here that I wanted to say was uh, Schwartz or Middle Ditch and, and Schwartz. It's going to be like a two-man show oh, between... yeah, I heard of this. Mid- Thomas Middle Ditch and... In, uh, in, uh, the, what's his Ra- name? John Ralphio. John Ralphia from, yeah, um, from Parks and, Parks and Rec. Rec. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. they're going to do like a little two man sketch show, kind of like. Is that on Netflix? Yeah. Yeah. On I'm going to I'm gonna watch that on Tuesday. Shout out to uh, Thomas Mildich and Schwartz. We don't know your first name, but John Ralphio and Sonic he, he, the Hedgehog. He was Sonic. So, yeah, he's I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog. We got to remember this dude's name. But, but anyway, let's talk about the trash Netflix TV. Oh my God. Wait, I got to get the name of this trash show. It's too hot to handle. It's too hot to handle. Bro. So the premise of this damn show is basically the circle and Love Island fused together with the idea. I don't, I don't even think you could say the circle. It's more I just like say the circle for Love Lana. Island. Yeah, it's more Love Island. You're right. So basically the premise of this show is they put people on to develop a bigger connection with each other and no one gets eliminated. And if you make it to the end of the show, you win $100,000. But it's like, wait, are you just going on there for love and to win $100,000? The crux of it is you can't have sex. You can't masturbate. You can't make yes. out with anybody. You can't kiss. You can't have any type of intimacy or uh, sexual contact with yourself or with anyone else. And boy, I watched the first three episodes. My girlfriend finished it today while I was watching. Oh, wow. the, while I watched the Jordan doc, I wasn't going to finish it. But my goodness, do I hate Francesca and Haley, the two the the two girls who ended up kissing and losing people money. Yo, if someone would have did that, I'd have, I'd have cursed their ass out. Trash ass Francesca. I told my girlfriend, I was like, look. We're not asking nobody to come on this show. Shout out to Sammy. We're getting Francesca or Hayley. I don't like none of them people. Uh, Els, uh, Sharon. <laughs> the only one I would ask on is the Australian guy, just because he seems like oh, David? he'd be funny. Yes. Or, or is that Harry? I don't Harry, know, man. Because when Harry straight up lied about kissing Francesca, I was just like, you lost that, bro. You tripping, man. My uh, for my girlfriend and her roommate, they kind you know, they ended up watching like as far as I did, which is as, pretty much as far as what you've been saying with Haley and Francesca. Like after that, Trash. and they and they finally got found out. I was like, good, they got found out. I'm done with this. But <laughs> what really tapped out the girls was when that dude uh, who like they called Jesus came on and was mm-hmm. like, yeah, 
I'm not really into monogamy. I just want to spread my seed across the nation to different races. <laughs> and they were like, what the actual <laughs> <fuck>? <laughs> Yeah, that guy. My girlfriend said true. If that dude cut his hair and cut his beard, he would not have been on that show. That's <laughs> 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 true, though. I, what I did like about the show, if I had one thing I would say, is I liked that it was very across the world like mm. you had same i know, like that as well someone ireland, from ireland Australia, yep london know, america it, it georgia been even better if it would have been they at, oh yeah i didn't even get to the georgia person and then they had a florida oh, georgia person in the states yeah georgia in the oh, states okay. I they had the, the country i th- I, I would have thought it would have been great if they would have had like someone from israel mm. um but of course the languages would probably be your most your most difficult thing they even though they the, did Put a guy in Israel on from Israel on um, Are You the One? So oh, real? Well, yeah, no, that I agree with you. That's like the one concept of this damn show that I like. The fact that it wasn't just American based; they made it worldwide or so just I, British. Yeah, like, or just British. I true, love true. the British Love Island, but I mean, you know, sometimes I can't understand what they're saying. Yeah, and, and when you know, <laughs> like I'm, I want to. Do you fancy him? Is do you like him? You got to get used to some of the British slang, some of the British lingo. You want to go shrug, <laughs> you, know, you want to go cut a rug, whatever the whatever the hell they say. What, sh- uh, sh- what is it? Shag? Oh yeah, shag. shag. Are you gonna shag him? What does that mean, lady? <laughs> Snog. <laughs> Snog. <laughs> Which Weird. yeah, I know. Shout out to Too Hot to Handle. Let's get to the new episode of Dave. This week of Dave and, and my girlfriend. It's funny because before the episode started, we were talking about. Because well no right when the episode started they were ta- they were doing label conversations and they were talking about he was like uh, Eminem has the, is the most number one and she, they were like no it's actually Drake and then me and my girlfriend went on this whole spiel of Billboard and like I was explaining to her how that shit works and I was like very surprised at the inside baseball that this episode took even more so than the last one and then they even dived in on my Billboard conversation with Benny Blanco but I loved seeing Benny Blanco in it I loved the record label conversations because that's like real deal real life. Type shit, like I said, a lot of inside baseball that I didn't expect. Love seeing Justin Bieber. Even me and my girlfriend had a conversation because I was gonna meet. All right, time to throw some names on out there on the pod and throw some names on the floor. So my cousin is friends with Odell Beckham Jr. He's like super friends with him, and he was at the Drake concert. I went to the Drake concert. I was with my ex girlfriend at the time, and. My cousin was like, yo, bro, come meet Drake. Come through with the crowd. Come through. Hang out with us at the thing. And my other girlfriend was like, uh, you got to take me. And my cousin was like, look, no bitches. You better come by yourself. <laughs> so it was like the Justin Bieber thing. And me, my, me and my current girlfriend had this conversation already that it was like, if, it, if I have that opportunity, I can go alone. And it just felt like so realistic because when you're in these situations, you have to talk to your significant other. It's like, I don't know if I can bring you to the Justin Bieber party, girl. I just barely got invited myself. And then when they told him, like, why'd you come alone? That was just fucking amazing. Because it's like, you could have brought her, you fucking dunce. But sometimes you're not allowed to. And I related yeah, luckily, to that. They show up at the end. But yeah, that was the one thing I was thinking, too. I was like, yeah. And they, even in the parallel of them at the bar, and she's like, you know, is he ever going to be as big as, like, he thinks he's going to be? And like... Mm-hmm. That's real life, man. For everybody that's trying to be a creative, that's trying to be an actor, a uh, musician, media person, whatever it may be, you have your significant others automatically have those thoughts because you're chasing your dreams. It's like, well, will they make it? You know? Yeah. So I thought that this episode it was really fun to get that kind of insight. And it was really focused back on Dave. So we're kind of getting back into the career. And um, 
and I liked some of the continuity jokes from past episodes. Yeah, like with the table, with the milking. Women, yes, the yeah. milking table. That, that was amazing. That was a laugh out loud. My girlfriend hadn't seen any of some of the previous episodes. She hadn't seen that episode or ever. So when I was cracking up laughing, she just looked at me like, what the heck are you laughing yeah, at? Like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, the, no, why, why is there a hole in that table? <laughs> me and my GF looked at each other and just started busting out laughing. Also, when Els was making fun of Marshmallow, that was fucking hilarious because it's always oh, yeah. like, why do you always have to wear that damn mask, Marshmallow? And then Marshmallow hits him on the head. It was just like, damn. And Benny Blanco's like, I gotta go, bro. Your girl making, looking, making you look bad. <laughs> yeah. And then the whole Courtney Kardashian exchange, that was amazing. That was pretty great. With like, the whole transgender that thing, that was that was funny. I'm surprised she did it, but I'm glad she did. Oh, Courtney's the coolest. Mm-hmm. If there's any Kardashian that I would ever want to meet, it'd be Courtney. I don't know about that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna jump jump out the, the window with that one. There's P. There's Kardashians I'd want to meet before Courtney. Courtney and her name starts. She, well, she's not even a Kardashian. Never mind. Let me not even go there. Well, I exactly. guess out of, I guess out of the Kardashians. I guess she would be the one I... Nah, I'm tripping. You tripping. I want to meet Kim. Kim Kim, Kim, I, Kim would come on the pod if I asked, maybe. <laughs> she might. She Courtney might, probably but, would, too. Yeah, she probably would, too. But if out of all of the family, all sisters included, I want to meet the Jenner girls before I choose them. Well, they definitely make the most money. They definitely do, funny enough. But, yeah, no, this week's a Dave fire solid episode back on top like the l's that like when they did the dave backstory they did the gator backstory then they which was great dave backstory was i the l story with the girl was back on up and then this one was perfect so shout out to dave i really really enjoyed this episode Trooper, let's get into our game all right so you you nominated lupita nyong'o i'm gonna ask you yeah some- i thought i thought and for next week when you're thinking about it do an actress because we did two actors mm-hmm. to so I wanted to throw an actress in there. I'm glad you did. All right, so I'm going to pick some movies, and you're going to tell me if you think Lupita Nyong'o could replace the main actress. So I'm going to start off with Atomic Blonde, Charlize Theron. See, so yeah, like, I, I, I thought about this with Lupita Nyong'o. I don't really know if we've seen her do a lot of action. She was in Black Panther. She showed she could do some action there. But, I mean, she wasn't even a main action character in that movie. True, like she, true, true. She wasn't a warrior. Yeah. I mean, look, I would I would like to see Lupita Nyong'o being... If Lupita Nyong'o was an atomic bomb, that would be crazy. So I like think that's she the thing. Like, And if you're thinking about her doing Charlize roles, like, is she, like, as, you know, uh, Physical. imposing? Yeah. That's probably the right word as well, Charlize. Because I have another Charlize role, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, that's what I was leading to. I just don't, I just don't think that she could have done that. I think she could have, could have done Atomic Blonde. I don't know about Mad Max Fury Road, but I definitely think she could have done Atomic Blonde. All right, coming to your world of Star Wars, do you think she could have replaced Rey? No, she's too old. Is she? I yeah. think uh, I, I think but there's I, a world I where she, I would have liked to see her be. I think she was undercast. I do think she was undercast. Like, she could have been a character like Poe. I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. She okay. could have been... Um, she could have been a, a more serious character that was didn't have that didn't have to be CGI. Like, and 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 besides, like even if they wanted to go through with her character of Maz, they just underutilized it. They definitely did. I got another one. So, have you ever seen The Fifth Element? I don't remember it well enough. Well, I was going to ask if she could replace Mila Jovovich, Mila Jovovich on The Fifth Element, and I think she definitely could for that movie. 
Um, okay, I, I got another one. Do you think she could have replaced Scarlett Johansson in a Marvel film as Black Widow? See, again, I just don't know if she'd be putting it together with the martial arts. Like, when I think of Lupita Nyong'o and where I would think with some of the roles that she could flip into, it'd be a lot of the dramas. Mm. Or maybe even some of the romantic movies that, you know, may be uh, cast with white actresses. Well, I have another action movie that I think she could have done because it shows this woman as weak at first and then she gets stronger as the movie continues. I think she could have replaced Uma Thurman in Kill Bill. Maybe. You know, I think that's maybe something that could have been up her alley. Yep. So, okay, let me look. Cause, see, I was going the action route, but you, you, you don't think she could do as many of the action roles. All right. Do you think she could have replaced... Cause now I'm moving on the moving on the fly, looking for like some some uh some rom com movie. Okay, do you think she could have replaced? Uh, I always get these confused. Um, what's the movie with Channing Tatum and uh Rachel McAdams? What's the where he forgets? Oh, the vow. Yeah, do you think she could have replaced Rachel McAdams in the vow? Probably. Like, I just think that she could do any of those roles. Cause when I think of her, I think of she's one of the Best drama actors and also facial expression actors. Oh, okay. So you you're going more towards the drama role movies. All right, let me let me pick some. Do you have any movies while I'm looking for some drama wise that you think that you were thinking um, she could have done? Not necessarily. Uh, think uh, for a second about like some thrillers because like that's a lot of what I see her in as well. Because like. When I think of Lupita Nyong'o, the first thing I think of is us because of I thought she did a phenomenal job in that. So that's where I'm leaning to at the moment is like a, a thriller kind of movie, maybe even. Some Do you more think she could have replaced Sandra Bullock in Gravity? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I got you with one. There we go. Okay, Sandra Bullock in Gravity. All right, let me see. Moving on down my line. Um, Cause see with some of these, these white actress led movies, they're very, they're very like drawn. They're, they're created for a white actress. So some of these movies, I, I don't know if the whole crux of the movie, for example, like monster, I don't know if she could have replaced Charlize Theron in monster. Yeah. But, but you could, could she have replaced like Halle Berry and swordfish? Oh yeah. Easy. Get to me, and this goes into something. I'm giving some preview to bros who think this week, but we're doing best black actress. And Doom was like, "Bro, you gotta." I mean, best black actors and actresses. And Doom was like, "You gotta make Halle Berry a number one seed." I was like, "Halle Berry a number one seed? Oh, we about to disagree on this list one hundred. Halle Berry can't act to save her damn life. She just looks good. So, like, I think all Halle Berry roles, Lupita Nyong'o could have switched." And that's no shade to Halle Berry. I just, just Lupita Nyong'o is a great actress. I think she could have uh, replaced early in her career, could have maybe replaced uh, Emma Stone in Easy A. Like young Lupita Nyong'o. I don't know enough about young Lupita Nyong'o, but I believe it. Okay. Um, hmm. I'm trying to see if I got any more that you know. Um... If they wanted to raise Ben Maleficent, I think she could have did it. Raise Ben Maleficent, probably. Um, yeah, that's all I got. You picked a tough one for me. All right, wait, Devil Wears Prada. Do you think she could have replaced Anne Hathaway? 
Honestly, man, I've never seen that movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot you're not an Anne Hathaway fan. Okay. Yeah, she probably could have did it. All um, right. Here, I got one real quick. Uh, how about Black Swan? Ooh, I was looking at that. I don't know. That's the one I don't know about. Uh, I think talent-wise, she's a better actress than Natalie Portman. I think she could have pulled it off. I think they would just have to change the movie around a little bit to fit African-American lady. You know what I mean? Because this was more... Yeah. So, like, a, I believe she was from, like, a different country, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if she was from America. But I was going to say Million Dollar Baby with Sam Hillary Swank. Ooh. Yeah. yeah that was going to be my final one. I think Lupita Nyong'o could have done And Loki, I would like to see... Maybe not as uh, Maya Rudolph or Kristen Wiig, but maybe as Rose Byrne in Bridesmaids. Okay. Because you need the two comic comedians of Kristen Wiig and, and Maya Rudolph, but as the straight person, maybe Rose Byrne. You know, and, and going into the Star Wars thing for one more, I think she could have been Jen Erso. Ooh, now nah, that's a good one. I think she could have been a great Jen Erso. All right, I ain't mad at that. All right, I like that one. Cool, cool. Shout out to Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, we'll have a. I'll be better prepared for the next one because I didn't know uh, we were doing a Lupita, and I didn't want to. I, I picked straight actions. I didn't think of any dramas, so I'll be better prepared for the next one. But you got to be prepared because I'm giving you the one. All right, let's get into uh, episode one of uh, episode one and two of the Jordan Doc. Yo, I, this oh, is right was, up my. Well, oh, oh, I didn't even see the second one. You didn't watch the second one about I Scotty. Oh shoot! I only saw one. Did you watch it live on TV? Yeah. Oh, you? Pr- they probably like did them together. Okay. Did you turn ESP? Like, what? What would you see? Tell me what you saw, because I watched them both. Oh, I mean, I watched the whole first one, so like, I got the the whole gist of the doc. So we're gonna, you know, we early we explored Michael's early origins and his college career, and like, who did he you see the Scotty origin season? No. Oh damn! Yeah, you missed the second one. All right, the second one's basically just Scotty origins. They talk about how Scotty wasn't getting paid and how Scotty was undervalued. And how he got to the team. Yeah, and how he got to the team. Yeah, exactly. And how um, his relationship with Krause got so bad that he started cursing him out on the team uh, the team bus. And Michael was like, bro, you being selfish. And everybody was like, bro, how can Michael... Michael, how can you tell Scotty he's being selfish when he's paid 100... He's like the 100th paid player in the league and your ass has shoes out the wazoo. But... That's pretty much all. The, the second episode was basically him and Scotty's relation, the development of him and Scotty's relationship. Did the, the college stuff happen in the first episode, like with North Carolina? Yeah, yeah that was the first episode. In the first episode, and then we saw we get that the whole crux of the documentary is that it's the very last season. That's why yep. it's called the Last Dance. You know, get the insight on like what was they were going into that season the trip to paris bro i blame the owner like at what point as an owner do you stop your gm from being too big-headed to see that you have the greatest team ever and you're gonna ride this till the wheels fall off honestly they haven't rebuilt since jordan and i I know i'm wearing d rose's jersey right now and me and my dad was talking about it that's what my dad said my dad was like well you gotta remember d rose and i was like yeah but like even the d rose years were very underdeveloped this this choice by jerry Krause might have put the bulls back for forever and honestly watching the beginning of the bulls journey when they go back to the 80s doesn't it remind you of the pelicans just like trash and then like or maybe i'm just too big on zion that's for a whole another conversation but yo the mj doc was it was great this is great i mean learning about his uh life in college because you you always he was 
he would have been the ultimate one and done because he yeah. would have hit the last shot to win the national championship. Yeah, you know, then go in the NBA. But he's he spent he needed some, those some years, more though. years. That's what I was gonna say. He spent some more years in college, and you really saw it when he transitioned over that he was still in this mindset of like being a Chapel Hill student. Yep. You know, where he wasn't trying to go to the clubs and all that. He was focused on basketball, and ultimately it helped. But wait, I don't blame him because his teammates doing blow in the hotel room. Like, what the hell? And he didn't even want to snitch. He was just like, whoa, I see y'all doing lines. We got lines over here. Weed smokers over here. Bitches over here in the right. Mike was like, I ain't never seen this before in my life. <laughs> that shit was hilarious, bro. Hilarious. Oh, but uh, all that really happened in the second episode is they, they go over the Celtics playoff series. Oh, okay. Yeah. About when he was by himself and he scores 50 some point or 49 the first night, 63 ends up losing the series, and how Magic and uh, Mike Larry consider him as like one of the best talents. And it really goes into how he needed Scotty. But it's, it, I still need more. I still, my one complaint about this doc is it jumps around too much. It makes it, sense. Like it goes from 97, all right, they get me on board for 97, they jump back to pre-Michael. They don't tell you a lot of the pre-Michael. Then they go to pre-Michael. Don't give you a much. They give you the gist of what you need to know pre-Michael. And then, like, in the second episode, they go through some of the stuff that leads him up. But, like, if you're going to tell the story, like, I want to know about 91, 92. I want to know about the years he won the championship. I got to see Isaiah and his his battles. I feel like we're going to get to that. Like, I feel like every little sequence is also a buildup of the season mm-hmm. of the, you know, the 97, 98 season. And that's how, I, that's how I argued a, a, it. A phase into his career. In yeah. The and, that, and that's why it's 10 episodes long or 10 part documentary yeah. series. We're, so we're going to get all of it, but man, I got to wait every Sunday for, are they going to do two episodes every Sunday? I'm guessing now. Cause I was shocked when two started. I was like, okay. Uh, I, was, I guess so. I so mean, one and two, two and or three and four. Yeah, five, be five weeks. Yeah, okay. All right, that makes sense. Cool. Yeah, I'm down. This this was great. I think this gave us a good introduction into Jordan, showing us his greatness. But this isn't the stuff that I'm ready for. And I listened to Bill Simmons' interview with the guy who made the documentary. They go into the gambling conspiracies. They go into why he took the year off. That's what I'm. I'm ready to get to the shits. This is we're like Schubert said. This is the foundation of what's building us to the point of first championship and everything like I want to see championship run number one, two, three, the year off four, five, and six. Like that's what I'm ready for. It was fun in the part one to get the quotes from like Roy Williams. Yeah. His mom, the letter that he wrote in college. Yeah. 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 I mean, that that stuff was was really interesting. So, and that's not really some stuff you really talk about with Jordan, especially his time in Chapel Hill. Um, it's almost like an afterthought. Like I couldn't have told you how many years he spent there. I, I almost thought he spent all four years. And I didn't so think like, he won a championship. I th- cause I, I was thinking that cause I, I know Patrick Ewing won some cause of one of the, the, the documentaries we're going to talk about, but I, I forgot Jordan won. So it's just like good to get that knowledge and good to see all that stuff on film. And also forgot James Worthy was on his, t- I knew James, I knew he played with James Worthy, but I just, for some reason I forgot about it. And James Worthy being, on his team for that rookie win. Like, Michael had a good team. And that's something I think sports fans forget when we talk about the LeBron-Michael comparison. Michael always had, like, when he won those rings, Rodman, Pippen, and him would be considered in today's era a big three. Yeah. Like, that's no a big I mean, three. And if, you want, and if you doubt that, go watch Bad Boys. And then Tony Kukoc was low-key the European baller that was young that came over. Sure, but, I mean, even in the early stages, Paxton... 
Yeah, Passion Kerr. Pretty solid. Uh, yeah, he, so you know, they were pretty solid players. Horace Grant. Yeah, exactly. And then he had Charles Oakley at one point, but that the trade, and that's what they went into with the next doc is they ended with them trading Charles Oakley, picking up Pippen, and like getting Horace Grant and making the team around Michael. And as bad as Jerry Krause was, he did make a great team around Michael, but he just let his ego get in the way. Like, bro, but that was way playing later, games. You know? Yeah, I know like, that was. That in was, the early was. stages, they, they, they were did cool. all right. Yeah, exactly. But Loki, why do I think Phil wanted to run that whole team? And, and it was like, nah, oh, we got to go. <laughs> That's probably what happened. Because, we, because you know what happened later when he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to run the Knicks. <laughs> oh, man. that's. But I'm loving every bit of this because, like we're going to get to in a little bit, I love sports docs. And Michael Jordan, it was arguably one of the biggest sports figures of all time, if not the. And to finally get his story is something that the full I think, story. I mean, yeah, the full story. And and the fact that they're going to acknowledge the gambling in the year off, I think that's something that's going to be big. And I think a lot of people would be wary on have being a 10-part series, but I think it this helps with the pace. Yeah. So, like, you know, almost each part of it seems like a mini documentary about Michael Jordan. So, like, that first one, the one I saw, it seemed like it was the college years of Jordan. And the come up and the getting drafted. And the one I watched is the rookie one with the injury. His first major yeah. injury. So, and then him needing Scottie Pippen. You didn't miss much in the episode two, but I definitely think you should watch it before three. Well, I will, yeah. Yeah, so. All right, let's get into our top 10 30 for 30s. Schubert, start us off with your honorable mentions. I got four. Um, when the Garden was Eden, because I have to mention the next one. Solid. Also Phil Jackson in that one. Uh, this one was almost in my number 10. It's Run, Ricky, Run, the very first one I remember. I should have put both of those in honorable mention. They're great. Yeah. Um, Fab Five, which isn't a 30 for 30, so that's why I put it in honorable mention. Yeah, because that was going to make my top 10, but when you saw the said that was just an ESPN film, I was like, all right, honorable mention. But, but Fab Five is, is great. very good no. documentary. Amazing, amazing and documentary. My last honorable mention has to do with Michael Jordan. Jordan rides the bus. I wasn't putting that shit on there. Was not putting that shit on there. You did that because of Bama. I was not putting that trash ass shit on there. <laughs> I watched That's that. Doc- why I wasn't putting it on the list. I watched that documentary. And I was like, wait, this is the baseball story of Michael Jordan. Let me turn this shit off. I don't give a damn. But my honorable mention. Shout out to uh, radio and just like my love for radio. And I just really loved learning the story. Mike and the Mad Dog. Honorable mention for me, uh, last day, last days of night, the Bob Knight story. For some people who didn't see it, that's when ESPN transitioned to ESPN Plus, and and most of the thirty for thirties were on there. That's a really in the in the Jordan doc. I totally forgot that Bob Knight was a coach for Team USA. That's why, I, like, yeah, you you go through Bob Knight's coaching career, and he did the USA stuff. Really dope story. And then when you see him start hitting players, and it's like, ooh. <laughs> like, ooh. <laughs> That shit's crazy, bro. Gotta check out Last Days of Night. Uh, I have the bad boys. It just couldn't make my cut uh, with the Pistons story with Isaiah. I'm sure you might have that on your list. And then I have the year of the scab, where it's the uh, year where the the movie The Replacements are based off of with the Buffalo Bills team who had all the scab players who were kicking ass and winning games. So I got the year of the scab, the bad boys, Last Days of Night, and Mike and the Mad Dog. All right, Shubert, what you got at number 10? Uh, number 10, I have Youngstown Boys, the story of Maurice Claret and uh, Jim Tressel. Solid. That's a solid one. Yeah, it really goes through that season at Ohio State, which is 
uh, culminates in one of my favorite college football games ever, the Ohio State Miami National Championship game, and also all the things that happened with Maurice Claret from his recruiting to leaving college football right after that season. A lot happened uh, in Maurice Claret's career there and all that kind of stemmed with Jim Trestle as well and with their connection to Youngstown. 100%. I ain't mad at that one. At number 10 for me, I have Guru of the Go. This is the story of Paul Westhead, uh, Bo Kimball, and uh, Hank Gathers when they played the up-and-down tempo. I'm, I'm about to look up the school, but they played an up-and-down tempo. It was about the story of these two uh, these two stars, uh, Bo Kimball and Hank Gathers. Hank Gathers being the best player in the country. He was short, and people were like, dang, uh... Hank Gathers making, making, doing numbers and then kicking butt. He played for Loyola Mary. Yeah, it's the story of Loyola Marymount. And basically his death due to the fact that he had a heart condition and he died playing basketball. I believe he, I believe he died on the court, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he, yeah, he died on the court. Yeah, so this was that story and it was very sad. And you just see the story of Paul Westhead and everything uh, he went through with those two players. And it's just... It's just a good story, a good uh, basketball story. And if you enjoy basketball tales, this doc is for you. So what you got at number nine? Number nine is where I have bad boys. Mm. I, I, I just thought that I the get bad it. boy story was so cool, man. Like I it is. was, it really, since we're not from that era, we don't really know much about those teams. So like, those are names that, you know, you never hear about. And you kind of forget that there was a, an era where the Pistons were kind of this dominant team in the span of the magic and Jordan and bird when yeah. all of them were still around. And like people forget this, Isaiah. Yeah. They forget about Isaiah Thomas and you know, Bill Lambeer, Joe Dumars. Dumars. Shout out to Louisiana, man. That's why I fucked with. I had to put it honorable mention, but I get you put in the top 10. This is going to be a punt, but I, and you told me I had to do part one and part two and number nine for me, I have the U. Yeah. The U. So, all right, well, yeah, we'll talk about it when you come to uh, it, so. eight. Is uh, for me, you don't know, Bo. Ah, so that's my number seven. Oh, okay, that's yeah, yeah. okay. So, yeah, that's close. Uh, for me, I, I really love Bo Jackson's story because I know a lot of the stomping grounds. Um, but it's, it's uh, not only it be a football doc, but also a baseball doc is kind that's of what thing. makes it super interesting. To get the magnet, because we're not from that era, you don't necessarily believe some of the stories the old people tell you. Like, this dude played played football and baseball and was kicking ass at both. Like, oh, sure, bro. Playing with these old schoolers. But then you see Bo Jackson dominate both. It's just like, damn. Bo knows, baby. Bo knows. And, just, and people always think Michael Jordan started off the shoe dominance in the Nike and the sport. It, without Bo Jackson, Nike doesn't get to the point to where they can do Jordan. Yeah, like the whole Bo knows um marketing deal of the documentary was super cool you know him having it being on a tv series show like a cartoon the techno bowl stuff yep starting off, yeah techno bowl yep without I mean, bo jackson bo, we might not get madden uh, that's true i mean i think bo jackson could have been michael jordan for football that's i i ain't mad at that that that's a that's a great argument and 
this documentary just shows the greatness of him. And to know that he only did push-ups, he didn't touch weights until later in his life. And for most of his time, he just worked out, ran, and did outside country boy stuff. Just Lift breaking, deer. Yeah, breaking logs, hunting, pick, picking up the deer after I shoot him, like, Drawing oh, back the bow, yeah, but drawing back the but yes, draw back and all that that crazy crazy story of Bo Jackson and just to see him being such a humble guy and to see him after the accidents be like normal, not go down a spiral of I lost my talent. Super super great story. But for me at number eight, I got a documentary that I know is not making your list, but it should. Only reason why it's not is because it happened to the Knicks. But oh, I got Reggie Miller. Winning time on here. Trash. When he, when he did the ch- choke, they choking. <laughs> that documentary is amazing, bro. You know I it's can't amazing. Watch that like thirty second deal where he like made all those threes and like uh. <laughs> that shit is fire, bro. Shout out to Reggie Miller. Like, like it's just the final. Mo- it's the the story when he beat the Knicks in the playoffs and everything with that moment. Him and of Spike. Winning time. Yeah, the 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 drama between him and Spike, him making. I believe like 10 points in 15 or 30 seconds, 30 some seconds, something like that, or a minute, just, just stealing the ball, scoring. He was just like, this is winning time. Something he practiced with his sister, Sharon Miller. And I know this is a 30 for 30, but let me shout out the women of Troy, the HBO documentary. Bill Simmons took the ringer and went to HBO, and HBO's been put out some greats. The women of Troy, Andre the Giant, and you see some of the women of Troy story with him and Cheryl's relationship in winning time. So that's why I got winning time at number eight. Yeah, and you said your number seven was Bo. It was Bo Nose, yeah. Uh, for me, number seven is Requiem for the Big East. You put it that low? Just because... Punt, don't even talk about it. Punt. That's a right. big punt. That's well, a major punt. You, the U is a major punt for me. Okay, okay, okay. Requiem for the Big East is amazing. All right, and number six for me, I know you're not... Oh, did you... That was your number seven? Yeah. All right, we'll say you number six because you before me. Oh, well, number six is this magic moment with the Hardaway and Shaq. Ah, uh, that's my number five. All right. Well, yeah, I mean... I love I, this one. Yeah, I think this one's great. I mean, I didn't know much about Penny Hardaway, and you don't really think of Shaq's time in Orlando at all because he never had titles there. But and when he was you, close. Yep, and when you find <laughs> out that close. Shaq has always had a good duo partner and argue, he from, you know about Wade, you know about Kobe, but to say that Penny might have been the best one for Shaq out of the two, and he let his ego get into it, and I love him and Penny sitting down and talking about how we could have, and Shaq was like, nah, we could have been better than me and Kobe. And, like, it was Shaq's ego and everything that got in the way and to see the Magic go from this team that was a joke expansion team to getting Penny and Shaq. Crazy, crazy dominance. So I love that. And then having the blue chips ties in, Penny going into the set of blue chips and do it working out with Shaq so Shaq could go tell the ownership to draft him instead of Chris Webber. The whole story was just great. So I yeah, got that. I mean, yeah, I got this. Penny Hardaway is kind of like an unsung, unsung hero of the sports world. Like you, you injuries, know, man. Be, yeah, because of injuries and just you know losing out on that opportunity of that stretch of time with him and Shaq. And it, I think immaturity, of course, was immaturity of Shaq. It was Shaq, man. It for, wasn't for Penny. Shaq. Cause I mean, like if, if Shaq and Penny would have been together and the Kobe time of his career, I think it would have been way different. Oh, they don't want, they don't want rings. They would have won rings, plural. And yeah, it was just amazing to see all that stuff. The campaign with the Penny bobblehead and Penny goes on that list of top 10 basketball players who would have been amazing if, they didn't get injured. Him, D. Rose, Grant Hill, uh, Tracy McGrady. They're like the four that stick out to me. And that that's what that story told me. At number six, I got Elway to Marino. 
the draft of the, and it's talks of the agent of the drafting of that draft class. They had Jim Kelly as a quarterback, Elway Marino talks about all the different quarterbacks in the intricacies of the NBA draft and how the agent pulls the strings NFL and everything. Draft. I mean, in NFL draft. Yes. And it talks about all those different quarterbacks that went before Marino and their careers and whatnot and how they had so many special quarterbacks in one draft. I really like the business side documentaries and like the, the behind the scenes wheeling and dealings. And I really love Elway to Marino. So that's why I made my number six. And like I said, at five, I have this magic moment. So what you got at five? Uh, well, to your last documentary, I hope we see a lot of that on Thursday. Mm. Some wheeling and dealing. Let's throw some quarterbacks around. Fast. But anyway, uh, for number five, I have Survive in Advance, the Ooh. NC State story. Ah, uh, that's a good one with the Valvano. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I should have had that honorable mention on the list for sure. You know, going back to my earlier one with the Rec Room for the Big East, one of my favorite stories was more about certain teams and their and how they their trajectories more so than like a big group of of teams that was what you know because the big east was not only about georgetown but it was about you know st john and a bunch of a bunch of different teams where i liked with surviving advance we focused on jimmy b's group and everything that they went through yeah. on their rise to an improbable championship win Solid choice, brother. Solid choice. I am at that. So let's get to number four. Number four, I got Without Bias, the Lynn Bias story. This documentary low-key blew my mind. This docu- And seeing it, this guy who could have been as good as Michael Jordan and just lose it at all in the instant because he did cocaine the night of his draft and suffers a heart attack. It just made me just really just be like, damn, one wrong choice could change your life. And that documentary really stuck a chord, struck a chord with me, and it stays with me forever. And I really love that documentary without bias. Yeah, I'm, I don't think I, just, I don't think I've gotten to that one, but that it, it's really highly ranked for a lot of people. So I really want to make sure I check it out to, to see the star who could have been Jordan if, like, he was better than Michael Jordan. People said, and he got drafted to the Celtics, and what could have been like. Michael Jordan might not have had that run that he had because it could have been Lynn Bias and the Celtics. Could have replaced Larry Bird and maybe kept Parrish and McHale a little longer, and who knows what would have happened. Now, number four for me is kind of having to do with a little bit of um, being a a nerd of film, Um, but I really love the documentary June 17, 1994. The story of what happened that day, and it has to, it's all centered around OJ and the Bronco. But it oh. tells you about everything that was going on that day. The Knicks were in the final, or the, yeah, the Knicks were in the NBA finals. The Rangers had just made it to the to the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, Arnold Palmer was playing his last round of golf. All of that was all simultaneously going on while OJ was running the Bronco and the the sports cover coverages and all of that and the news coverages and it has. It doesn't have anyone's voice. Well, I, I, I may be wrong. It may have a few people's voices, but for the most part, it's just um, the broadcast piecing together the the whole day. Ooh, I'm gonna have to watch that because I didn't even know that was a thing. Do you have the OJ it's a really stuff? Really cool one. Do you have the ESPN OJ or is that an ESPN Films? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Because no, yeah, that's it. That's an ESPN like special. But this was a thirty for thirty. Okay, I'm gonna have to peep that because I didn't even know that existed. I'm gonna I'm watch that. That's a good one. For me, at number three, I have Soul Man. This is the story of... Let me get the guy's name, because I don't remember his name, per se. But it's I know exactly what the story is. But 
basically it's the story of this guy who started the whole Nike basketball foot shoe sports culture. It's the uh, story of oh of Vaccaro. Is it? It's a uh, is it Jim Vaccaro or uh, oh Sonny Vaccaro? It's the story of Sonny Vaccaro and how he got with Nike and led the the shoe change to sign Jordan and how he was going to shine uh, LeBron. And then he leaves Nike was going to sign LeBron to Adidas. Didn't pay LeBron a hundred mil. LeBron goes to Nike, and it just starts of this conversation of should shoe companies be tied in with high schools, college, that early stuff of just how this guy changed the the game for making the NCAA and these shoe companies a billion dollar just a billion dollar uh, investment. So without Sonny Vaccaro, I don't know if the NCAA gets as big as it does with the partnerships with Nike and Adidas. This guy kind of orchestrated that in finding these players for these shoe companies and signing these deals very behind the scenes doc but it is amazing yeah i've i don't don't think i've caught that one either that one's great like you should definitely Um, check out soul man so what you got at number you said your three yeah number three we're going back to football because the football ones really hit me hard like you know you really love the basketball ones and i have a basketball one up here really high but for me at number three i have the four falls of buffalo Ooh, is that the uh jim kelly one uh, Jim Kelly, but I mean, it's, it it's a Buffalo the team. Yeah, the four finals. About the Buffalo Bills who went to the four Super Bowls and lost all four. That one should have made that my that list. That one's great. Really, yeah, really crazy story about a t- you know a, a franchise who put who put the the right pieces together, but never was able to get over the hump. Yeah, for a city that was clamoring for it, it almost reminds you of the the whole Cleveland stuff. Yeah, no, I like that documentary. That documentary was great. Shout out to Jim Kelly and the whole uh, Thurman. Isn't Thurman the running back? Because that's the guy I remember. It starts with it's like third, third, third something or Ronnie Ronnie Thurman or something like that. I think you're right. Yeah, those are the two players I remember from that team. But yeah, that's the, a good, the, that's the a good poor one. kicker man. That's the one person I think of who fucked everything up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But at number two for me, I got Requiem for the Big East, baby. Number three. Oh, no, I, I did my number three. Number three was Soul Man. Oh, okay. Well, that was my number three was the Buffalo one. Yeah, because we switched up because of, of the punts and whatnot. At number, yeah. two, number two for me, I got Requiem for a Big East. We can talk about it now. Bro, I love this, Doc, because you get ESPN beginnings. You get TV station money beginnings because without ESPN wouldn't have thrived without the Big East because they were playing the college games on the East Coast. You see how the Big East rises to this big thing and you find out about the last Big East tournament with uh, Kimball Walker hitting the shot. Like, I loved all of it. The George, the rise of Georgetown, the rise of Syracuse, the rise of... Uh, UConn. UConn. And then you see the all different teams and you see how... Some people were trying to get into the Big East, but they couldn't compete with football. And then how the ACC started poaching people. I just love this because the Big East to me was my favorite. When you think college basketball before the ACC, what it is now, the Big East was the college was the basketball conference. And it's just like so many great stories in it. And I know it doesn't focus in on one team, but I like seeing the different aspects of how this television network in these in this in this corporation of the Big East came about and how they fell, the rise and fall of them. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, it's a lot of the reasons why I like the documentary, but also again, like why I had it as where I had it just because of like the scatterness of it all. But I mean, it, it does tell a large basis of stories and you get a lot of information into it. And that's I mean, what I loved about it. What you got it to so many, so many stars in the big East. What do you have? Ewing, uh, Ray Iverson. Allen, uh, Ewing, Iverson, Ray Allen, Allen. Rip, Rip Hamilton, uh, Mullen, Carmelo Anthony, Dan Mullen, 
Uh, Earl, Earl the oh Chris Mullen, Earl the Pearl Washington with uh Syracuse, I believe. Uh, Carmelo, yeah, yeah, I said Mellow, okay. and they, there's still more. There's way more than that, but and then you get even the, the coaches behind. Yeah, it that's all, that's what I'm about to say. Valvano, you got uh. Now Valvano was NC State. NC State was yeah, NC State. No, they're in the ACC. Oh, they yeah, because they have the whole ACC. Yeah, pop. yeah, they have that. What's whole ACC the Georgetown problem. guy's name? Oh my gosh, I'm looking at the black guy, the big tall, and I'm not looking. I'm not, I'm not thinking of his son. God damn it! I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get his name. But you have him. Yeah, but you have Bayheim. Yeah, um, Calhoun. Uh, oh, those are okay. the two main ones I think of. Besides yeah. the. Oh, John Thompson. George guy, Thompson. Yeah, John Thompson. So you got John Thompson, uh, Calhoun. Uh, Calhoun, uh, Bayheim. You, you got Tarkovich who's biting on the uh, because Tark was in it, the guy who's biting on the thing. Then you got the uh, they had the the, the well dressed guy that they were talking about who was who I think played for um, Providence or some shit like that. They had like all different, all these different coaches and how they made up the identity of the Big East. And it was just a really good story. So, what you got at number two? Bird Magic, best of enemies. Ah, the Celtics Lakers. That's my number one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's my and I'm guessing your number one's the the U. The U part yeah. one and two. And I ain't mad at also that. Catholics and convicts. The, the, Celtics, the Celtics Lakers, great. Great. This is great. Like learning all the ins and outs of how the ESPN used to be on. I mean not ESPN, how basketball in, in general used to be on tape delay, and then bird and magic come in with these crazy games and Take it off a tape delay. They created the star culture of the NBA. Yep. Facts. 100%. It wasn't about the shield. It was about the name behind the jersey. And without Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, that doesn't happen. I also like how they take you to French Lake and they take you to Michigan and you learn about their rivalry in college and how it goes all the way up to the NBA, the dream team. And then when Magic steps out because it's almost the ultimate rivalry that we haven't really seen in sports again. In a long time. Honestly, if you ask me the greatest sporting rivalry if you're not doing teams, if you do between players, Magic and Bird is up there. And even if you do teams, Magic and Bird is still up there. Yeah. Like, like they're, they're the I, two. Like, you can't really think of too many different sport equivalents where it, you've had, like, such longevity. It like, plays into so many different things. It plays into race. It plays into, into like, oh, yeah. it play, race, like, flamboyancy versus non-flamboyancy, uh, Lakers-Celtics. East Coast, West Coast. Uh, East Co- it's so much. Just so many different, like, dichotomies of people who don't like each other, and it's just everybody giving a reason yeah, to pull for A more modern-day example that people would think of that you can't compare because the longevity is is Brady Manning. Not even close. It's, yeah, it's not even close because, like, they just didn't have the longevity of it, and they didn't compete for a title, like, Super Titles, Bowls. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, sorry. Oh, a little, little camera fall, but it's all good. But, yeah, no, man, that uh, Celtics-Lakers, the um, bird magic story, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. So that's my number one. Let's talk about my number nine and your number one. The U, man, this is great. The U – has has had me dancing when I was watching it. Like this here for the like do you wanted to do the touchdown dances. You know, it it was a good mix of stuff that I really didn't know about in part one, you know, with the the eighties and you know the nineties coming up with like Jimmy Johnson. And isn't that and, Irving, Michael Irving's teams? Mm-hmm. Oh no, Michael Michael Irving's in the eighties, huh? No, yeah, eighties, nineties is part one. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's part of that Jimmy Johnson. I'm trying to think of all the because they had 
players in both, man. Well, that's they, the crazy part about part two is that you come, you talk about some of the greatest teams that ever stepped on a college football field. With like Portis, Clint Portis, uh, Willis McGahee, Jeremy Sean Shockey, Taylor. Tr- Sean Taylor. Ed, uh, Ed Reed. Goats. Goats. Right. And then you get the Catholics and convict story. That shit is nuts, too. Yeah, so they just there was just so much that had to do with the Miami Hurricanes for thirty for thirty that it kind of made it kind of inspires you to want to root for the Miami Hurricanes. Like they just kind of have like a a swagger to them. But then you find out in the part two why they are what they are now. Um, But it's really interesting that this private school in Miami, and if you've ever been there. I mean, it does not match the descriptions of what, like, the documentary gives you because it's very straight-laced, like, out in the suburb of the Miami area. But it is surrounded by uh, lower economic homes. But it's like you walk on campus, there's a giant fountain that's just <laughs> the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm in paradise. And uh, just the mixing that and you learn about like the academic standards because they do have rigorous academic standards in Miami and like how the chancellor of the school is like, Oh, I just don't know if we can like fall fall down with this image, but they're making so much money for you. Yeah. True, true, true. And that's why the Catholic versus convict thing was so interesting with like the dude making the shirts and how he got made so much money, but then getting screwed and didn't he get arrested? Something like that, yeah. So, yeah, but, he, I mean, got, he got screwed over. It, it's so true with the rivalry that they had created between those two teams, and I even got to s- witness their most recent game in Miami when I was doing a podcast for iHeartRadio, and um, they still hate each other, man. They hate each other. Like, there was fights all over the place during that game. <laughs> That's hilarious. But, yeah, man, our top 30 for 30 documentary. Schubert, give you 10 again. Um, Youngstown Boys, Bad Boys, You Don't Know Bo, Requiem for the Big East, the This Magic Moment, Survive in Advance, June 17th, 1994, Four Falls of Buffalo, uh, Celtics, Lakers, Best of Enemies, and The U Part 1 and 2. For me at number 10, I have The Guru of Go. At 9, I have The U. At 8, I have Winning Time. At 7, I have You Don't Know Bo. At 6, I have Elway to Marino. 5, This Magic Moment. 4, Without Bias. 3, Soul Man. 2, Requiem for the Big East. And 1, Celtics Lakers. So I'm sure someone out there is like, you didn't put I Hate Christian Leitner on here? Yo, I, and look, I Hate Christian Leitner is good because it tells you a story of like the Shaq era of college basketball, how Christian Leitner makes the big, uh, the dream team. I love that documentary. That should have been honorable mention too. But there's just so many good ones. Like I could have put the, the tale of the two Escobars on here about Pablo Escobar's soccer team. Like that was a great one. By Slamma Jamma. Five, Houston. Five Stanley Jam is a good one. I feel like we learned about that Houston team so much though throughout these from the throughout Christian the different ones. Yeah, like mm-hmm. th- that's why the Five Stanley Jamma one was just like I've I've heard your story a bunch by now. Uh, for football, I really like the Bosworth one. Yeah, Brian Bosworth, and and also I we should have talked about Rand University. I'm upset none of us mentioned mm-hmm. that one with the, the Randy Moss as well as the trial of Allen Iverson. That's a good one, too. Yeah. I think a lot of people would be mad about that we didn't put the Island Iverson one on there. The Randy yeah. Moss one was good. And then the Pony Excess. Oh, is that uh, SMU? SMU? 
paying uh, Ed Ed uh, Ed uh, Dick Dickerson. Ed Dickerson. Yeah, yeah. I think it's hilarious when he's, <laughs> he's on, on Skip and Shannon. Yeah. Skip and Shannon and Colin Cowherd. Like Ed Dickerson, man. <laughs> also, uh, the story of um. The the running back who could have been great, Marcus Dupree. That's a good one too. Dupree, yeah. Yeah. So shout out to Thirty for Thirty. But yeah, we'll be, I guess, talking about Jordan. These Jordan docs every Sunday now because they're coming out Sundays. Sure, we're about to run out of Dave. I think yeah, we got two more episodes left. So the Michael Jordan docs carrying us through, baby. Let's go, and we'll talk about Extraction next week too. So yeah, we'll talk about Extraction. Have you seen Code Eight yet? No, another camera. We'll, we'll fix these malfunctions. I no, I have not seen. Well, we'll talk Code Eight next week too. All right. Well, we'll try and get to. Did you all watch those. Code Eight? No, I have not. Yeah. So I'll watch. I'll make sure I text you when I watch it this week. So you have to watch it before Sunday. I'm gonna probably watch that shit tomorrow because I don't have nothing. But, to, I have nothing to do. But yeah. So everyone, go out there, check out some of the things that we've been recommending. Bruce, Bruce Brothers, or you know, check that out on Netflix. Um, and all the other stuff coming out. Lyndon, what's going on with the network? Um, no new episode of Anime Talk this week, but you can check out the most recent, the last episode of Anime Talk. Super, super dope. We That started this whole Zoom thing, bro. The Zoom format was start through Anime Talk, so we're trying to carry through the network, get the YouTube popping. New episode of Bros Who Think podcast this week. We're talking the best black actors of all time. We got a bracket coming. Shit's going to be lit. You can check out last week's for the best black movies of all time. Uh, but other than that, that's pretty much it. You, you ch- Be sure, Bros Who Think retweeted something if you're an anime fan. I participated on a really fun game. I was a contestant for Anime Jeopardy. That's out now. I was one of the ones did really damn well. Go see if your boy won. You can find it on uh, YouTube. Shout out to Peter McGinn, who does the uh, What Do You Say About Anime? I think that's what it's called. But no matter what, you can check it. It's retweeted on the Bros Who Think uh, Twitter. So be sure to check that out. But other than that, that's all we got this week, man. All right, well, yeah, definitely go check that out. I didn't know that you were on that. I yeah, bro. I need to see. I, I did a lot good, today. I love good trivia stuff, you know, so. And, and luckily, we finished right before the Michael Jordan documentary started. Peter was like, oh, my goodness, I was stressing. I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> it's called taping it, people. <laughs> well, I had it taped on, on YouTube yeah. TV because I, I missed a little bit of it. But that's why you watch stuff on YouTube TV. That's why I was shocked you didn't watch episode two. Well, I, pr- I probably have it sitting here, but once I finished the first one, I thought I was done. Ah, uh, yeah. See, I just let mine keep playing. And it was just like episode two. And then I thought I got over on people. I was like, ooh, YouTube TV oh, yep, breaking the rules. Right yep. See, mm-hmm. two episodes. So, but that's all I got. Like I said, follow me at LynnBWT. Follow Bros Who Think at Bros Who Think. Be sure to check out all of our content. But that's all I got this week, Shuby. All right. Well, I hope everyone out there stays safe and has a good week. Um, you know, stay home and watch some good, some good uh, stuff on Netflix and Hulu and all that. All the HBO stuff's out on Hulu and Amazon right now. I've been watching. Yeah, it's free. Enthusiasm. Right I'm watching so, Sopranos. So yeah, yeah, Sopranos, The Wire. That's all on there. So go. You go need check those out. you need to watch The Wire and stop clowning. Yeah, greatest show on television ever. But anyway, let's uh, go ahead and get out of here. I hope everyone has a great week. And as always, keep it.
I'm sending tones with my team Jimmy and Shimmy be moving them keys We have the cues and we have the peace We can make it here whenever we please I got Libby and Cindy on their knees